What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. This is Resistance in Residence, where we profile artists using their gifts to change the world. This week's Resistance in Residence artist is a multidisciplinary artist, poet, and daughter of California, Mimi Tempest. Mimi, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Mimi, I want to start with a bit about you and specifically where and how you grew up. What was your family like? Yeah, most definitely. I am uh, from Los Angeles, California, specifically a neighborhood uh, called Chavez Ravine, uh, which is if anyone's ever been to a Dodger game, uh, you're very familiar with that that neighborhood. Um, I grew up in a family of athletes, surprisingly, and I was the only artist, um, (laughs) empath, uh, artistic person in my family. So, I mean, I I grew up kind of uh, as an outlier or a black sheep. But um, the beautiful part about growing up with my family um, is that they encouraged me to pursue uh, everything that I ever wanted to uh, pursue in life, but they also pushed me um, with their own athletic mindset to be the best at at what it is that I do. So I, I grew up with that combo. I mean, I have the story of how I found the theater. Um, what is your story of how you found your craft? When when was that moment that you were like, yeah, this art, <laughs> this art thing is for me? Yeah, I I think there's like two, there's like two moments at a very young age. I think I was in like the fourth grade. I like for three years straight, back to back to back, I um, won an essay and speech writing contest. So that was like the first time I had this realization that I was uh, gifted at writing and gifted at speaking. So it happened at a very young age. Um, And then... um, Let's see. I would say uh, a little bit after high school. I it's a very interesting story. I was supposed to go to Barnard, uh, which is a school mm-hmm. on the East Coast, and but I mean my parents weren't poor, but I'm the oldest of five children, so um, they couldn't afford for me to go to that school. So I stayed back in Los Angeles and. I grew up in the uh, the underground. I really, you know, I hit this the the club scenes. I hit uh, the drag queen, the parties, uh, hanging out with the DJs, the street rats. And it was in those moments that I discovered my voice um, through through music. I wasn't uh, bold enough yet to to be be the writer that I am now. But that was a very monumental point in my life because it really showcased how uh, how to become a living artist um, for me. So those are two moments where I, my gifts really uh, were highlighted in my trajectory. What is your writing process like, Mimi, from idea to finished piece? Mm, I mean, a piece is never finished with me. <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, uh, let's see. I mean, I, I'm an early bird. I get up every morning at, at 6 o'clock. Um, and I, I try and get, well, no, I usually go hiking or do a little bit of meditation. And then I I start with either a song or I start with a poem, um, or I start with like whatever business I have going on with whatever, um, you know, curative, uh, work that I'm doing. 
I just let it run. You know, I work in very small, concentrated moments of time, and then I just let my day happen. And it's usually um, after a couple months, especially if I'm working on a piece, I'll spit it for a couple months. And over time, it becomes what it wants to become. So I go back and forth in editing. So between its inception and between hitting the stage, I let the the moment of, of presenting a piece uh, in front of an audience allow it to work itself out too. I know part of the answer to this next question, because I had the pleasure of directing you and comb your hair or your look like a slave. We had Lily Jackson on not too long ago, the yes. uh, playwright of that piece. But um, your bio says multidisciplinary artist. In addition to poetry, what other art forms do you engage in? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I am a curator. Uh, I am a musician, a rapper. Uh, I also make these really, I mean, I'm an artist. I make these really intricate, uh, complicated uh, frames. If you uh, have ever been to the Black Woman is God, that exhibition in San Francisco uh, by Karen Sanofaru, you probably have taken a picture in one of my frames. Uh, you know, I'm just a jack of or a Jane of all trades. <laughs> I, I, I do whatever I want when I want, and I, I usually do it well. So I do a lot of things. Uh, Mimi Tempest, what are the stories or themes that, I mean, I, I heard you say it becomes what it wants to become, but what are the stories or themes that pour out of you in your writing? I, You know what? I'm really navigating um, what it means to uh, mature as a Black woman. It sounds so, it sounds so stereotypical. It's like, oh, but I think... Um, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about maturity um, and what it means to go from that maiden phase to, to the queen phase, to the mother phase. Um, and a lot of the story or a lot, of, a lot of what I'm working through is how do I navigate as a peacefully uh, to that queen phase and how do I sit in my power as much as possible? So a lot of a lot of the work I'm thinking about in this moment is about that. Mm, that resonated with me. I am mm. in a very similar place. Mm. What I'm going to actually talk on that thread a little bit more. Um, in this society, in America, where we know, you know, Brother Malcolm uh, got it right, the most disrespected, mm. neglected, degraded person in this country is the Black woman. Mm. Talk about... I guess that's a two-part question, and I'm sorry, it's, it's not in my script. I'm, like, forming it as I go. Mm-hmm. This really intrigued me. What are the the obstacles of white supremacy for us as we mature? Mm-hmm. Um, right? Like, what is the weight, the burden put on Black women around that? And then, what are, what what is the freedom? Right? In mm-hmm. in stepping over the white supremacy obstacles to sitting in our rightful place as queens. Mm, um, thank you for that question. I, I I know it's different for every Black woman out in the world right now. I could only talk or speak from my particular uh, instance. So, for example, I'm, I'm, I'm getting my PhD at, at Santa Cruz, and um, I'm the only Black woman in my in, entire department, and I've been the only Black woman for over four years now. Um, holding that is a lot. 
And having to navigate that particular system hasn't always been easy for me, especially as someone who's come from, you know, my particular background. And, you know, I'm kind of I'm kind of a freedom loving person. Like, I, I think we can learn in any capacity. But that particular institution has um, attempted to do a number on me in a way um, that hasn't always been easy to navigate. But um, part of the freedom in being in that space and maturing into my own self as as a as a woman, as a scholar, as an artist, is uh, speaking up. You know, I have a voice, I have a presence. When I walk in the room, people are very clear that I'm there. Um, so my freedom is in in holding myself, and my freedom is in uh, using my voice for myself and for the people that I find um, important in the world. I wrestled with this uh, when I spent a little bit of time last year in the collaboratory at UC Berkeley. Um, What is the role, if any, of Black folks in trying to change the institution of academia into a place um, that is supportive for Black bodies? And is that our job? It's hard enough being a student, um, but then to have to be an activist, organizer, advocate on top of that. You know, I I was gonna. That was actually my my response, and I'm never sure if it's the appropriate response or the right one. But it's my response. I'm not the one that has to change. I'm not gonna put that on my shoulders. Um, it's the people in in positions of power um, who really need to look at themselves um, and confront their own uh, prox you know proximity to to white supremacy in those spaces to do the change, you know, my, me just holding myself up and, and doing my, my research is, is more than enough for me. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't uh, push for anyone to take on that work unless they're absolutely sure uh, that they could do so. Yeah. Yeah. Mimi, I say a lot that it's the role of the artist to help us see the world we are trying to build, right? This mm-hmm. whole reimagined narrative. When we talk mm-hmm. about the role of artists and movements, artists help us see uh, what we have not yet built, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how do you create new worlds in your work? I mean, I just breathe, you know. If, I, <laughs> if I'm breathing, I'm creating a new world, right? Um, but... Um, yeah, I, a lot of it for me um, is is painting the world as it is and then being brave enough or bold enough um, to twist it in my own imaginarium to what I want it to be. So it's it's the it's really the space of being an alchemist or a magician um, while writing through through whatever process that you're working through. Mimi, you have a new book out, The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals. Uh, talk to us about the book, and then if you would read a little something something from, from it, we would be deeply uh, grateful. Yeah, thank you. So The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals is my second book. Um, it's out with City Lights. Shout out to City Lights for for holding me, having me, and and really being a, a, a beautiful space to to put this work out. Um, half of it is poetry, the first act, and the second act is a, a play. Um, 
and uh, it's it's really a phantasmagoria. It's it's a little bit of me and a lot of different versions of me and a lot of me that doesn't exist simultaneously. And um, th I'm very proud of this work. I put a lot of myself into it. So, oh, and another announcement on October 19th at City Lights um, at 6 p.m. in the main room. I will be uh, will be doing the book launch for for this project. Um, and I'll be in conversation with my mentor and good friend, Trog Tran. So I invite everyone who's listening to come through to that event. Uh, I'm going to read Untitled Number 5, Future of Free, which is on page 72. One, literary traditions as the house and witnessing the problems of the house in the straitjacket of the academy, a conversation with a fellow Black and queer poet. My response in an email. Because I've always been a rough and tumble kind of artist, the underground gave birth to me. I never felt like I had to contend with the preconceptions and standards of American poetry. I wonder how many of us are tired of tap dancing. Not that there isn't space or opportunity to honor those who have come before us or even attempt to reinvent the will. For me though, there's always been an awareness of the house. But the attitude of artists I came up with, shy and pretty black punks, glamorous 3 a.m. derelicts, philosophical midnight diva spitting glitter and pure madness, dynasties of street rats whistling the avant-garde was always I create the wave because I am the wave. We believed in our hearts that if you play well enough and long enough, they won't be able to help themselves eventually. They'll come and build the house around you. And because we understood the house is fiction, it was always best to play outside. I'm daring to oscillate between two dead literary genres, a meditation in the realms of obscurity. They anticipate a performance. I anticipate whether the audience can keep up. More and fun, interesting, alluring things happen outside of the house. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mimi. Thank you. Um, I believe uh, also that artists are or should be uh, the conscience of our society. Mm. Um, I, I believe there is no movement without art and artists. Mm. Mm -hmm. What role do you see yourself playing in the larger context of creating social change through your work? Ooh. And what is the role of the artist in working toward building a more just world. Ooh, ooh, that's a <laughs> that's a big one. You know, um, you know, I'm going to go back to um, a philosophy that my mother and father instilled in me at, at a young age. Once again, they were both college coaches and and athletes. But um, my mom always said, um, "Lead by example." Um, so I, you know, I, I believe that art is necessary for social change, but the best thing I think I can do is actually lead, uh, and, and, and be, um, the example of that change instead of, uh, trying to instill, um, that to others. So for me, it's more so about how I lead my life and how conscious I am about my own humanity that I think others will see in my work and, and how I facilitate 
uh, my relationships and connections uh, to, you know, different uh, bodies throughout the world. Um, you know, I, I am a powerhouse. I'm a powerful artist. And I'm a powerful woman. Um, but also with that comes a lot of responsibility. So I'm very cognizant of of, of not <laughs> of trying not to be any type of a, a savior or a God complex, but, you know, being very clear about my humanity and hoping that in sharing my humanity and, and being as vulnerable um, as possible about what that looks like, others will see that in themselves and move forward powerfully in their lives as well. Say more about the vulnerability moving through this world, particularly in this violent moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not, yeah, I mean, you're a black queer woman. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, we are in, in incredibly violent times uh, when it comes to legislation and attitude and God, that awful place that Elon Musk owns, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, directed towards, um, towards our, our LGBTQIA community. How do you balance uh, the violence in the world with being vulnerable? Mm, that's a that's a that's a great question. You know, if if you read all of the book, the delicacy of embracing spirals, there's this really beautiful part where the quote quote the character me has like this monologue, and she's held uh, by, by the heart and lifted out of the the theater, you know, before the artist comes and, and sprays <laughs> sprays everything up. Uh-huh. But um, you know, it's I feel like it's one being very cognizant of I'm very clear about who I am. That's one thing that this world will never take from me. I know who I am. I understand myself from my tippy toes to the most uh darkest and benevolent uh part of my soul. So part part of my power is being very clear about who I am um, and being aware of, of where those violences occur and how they occur for myself and others in the world. So the, it's, it's a consciousness, right, being aware. But part of that vulnerability is being in touch with my heart. Um, it's being in touch with my heart and knowing whom to give it to, how to give it to, and most importantly, to give it first to myself. Um, that's how I survive, really. And and, and also just showing empathy and, and sympathy and holding spaces for other people who are in survival as well. Who inspires you, Mimi Tempest? Right now, um, mm-hmm. my mom. My mom oh. inspires me. Say more. Um, I'm getting emotional. Um, I've just, I've had so much, so, so, so much on my plate um, this past year. And I'm a very grateful person. I'm a very grateful woman. And every time I hear my mom's voice and I hear her cheering for me and telling me how proud she is, it just, it holds me in a different way. And I I pray every day that um that I'm half the woman that my mom dreamed me to be. Matt, you done made me emotional, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank um, you. And Mimi, um, you've just, re- you know, the book has come out. 
I'm sure you've got all sorts of readings uh, coming up. But as you just mentioned, your plate is very full. What else are you working on? Uh, right now, I'm working on uh, getting past my uh, qualifying exam to Santa Cruz. Uh, and then after January, it's dissertation time. I'm writing my dissertation on the late and great Wanda Coleman. So all of my work is, in my mind and my heart, is really dedicated to her once this uh, tour for the delicacy of embracing spirals is up. Where, if people want to follow your magic, can people find you in the world? Most definitely. Um, my my Instagram is Mimi.Tempest. My Twitter is Mimi Tempest. There's no dot, just all the way through. Um, and yeah, I, I post a lot on Instagram. That's where most of my information about what I'm up to is. is that's where it's where it's at mainly. And you know what, Mimi? One more question. I was just about to close this out, but I have one more question uh, yeah. that I that I wanted to ask you. But I got you said something brilliant at the beginning of the interview, and then we went off on a whole other path. And the <laughs> um, script be damned. Um, daughter of California. What does that mean? Ooh, that's a great question. You know, uh, all of California is uh, belongs to the the mythos uh, of 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 the goddess Khalifa. So when I claim that I'm the daughter of California, I'm I'm really claiming that I am, you know, the goddess of uh, uh, walking through this this entire land. That that black woman, goddess warrior energy, um, and that that's what that means. Beautiful. Mimi Tempest, thank you so much for joining us today. Kat Brooks, it was an honor. Thank you for having me. You are listening to Law and Disorder. I'm your host, Kat Brooks. This week's resistance in residence artist is multidisciplinary artist, poet, actress, scholar, and daughter of California, Mimi Tempest. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox 5. Our Resistance and Residence theme music was composed by Jesse Strauss. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listeners. If you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>